Welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. With your defending champion, Stirk Daddy, runner up, Cascade Bear, third place, Amelia Clark Fan, D. Sladkey, Bucks and Six, Justin STP6, Lefty79, Andy Pollock, Little Slads, Prince Palmer17, Spaceballs the FFT, and WGL1035. Welcome into this episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. It is now week 10. We're in week 10. We are one week away from our trade deadline, which takes place next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And I'm really curious to see this year what the trade deadline looks like. We did have a monster move last year where Sturt Daddy landed Tyreek Hill and eventually led him to a championship. So hopefully we see a move or a couple moves that kind of flip the needle a little bit uh, next week. So before we begin here, though, uh, as a result of Justin and I having a head-to-head matchup in our uh, four-person roommate league, uh, he lost the matchup. There's really, really big rosters. He lost the matchup, and as a result, he has to do a live music review of his favorite song in the world, which is Little Talks by Of Monsters and Men live on the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and give this song a play. Justin's going to listen to it on his end, and then he's going to give some commentary on what he thinks of the song. So Justin, whenever you're ready. Uh, You didn't lose your one yet because this is going to suck. We're good to go. All right, three, two, one. I'm already angry. I'm watching the music video and I'm already getting more upset. What are they trying to do? There's a comet hitting the earth. People are in weird masks. It's the house telling you to close your eyes. Like, what is going on? Like, this is the part that gets stuck in your head and makes you want to listen to literally anything but this song. I think... It's very similar to a whole hey song, which I hate just as much. And someone continues to say hey, like it's the zone in the song. It just it gets ingrained in your head. Well, there's a giant throw that just blew up in this music video. I don't. You're mine. 
Okay, but we're not young anymore. Ship will carry on. And you get to the chorus, and now it's the awful part. I'm gonna have this stuck in my head and blame you. Oh, I, I don't care that I come up with this fight, I'm still gonna blame you. Why is there random heads and winged beasts blowing up? And now they're marching to the beat with a floating sorceress behind them. The volcanoes erupting with a really creepy face on the side. Well, the, the singers just fell to the face, and I wish this song would as well. I wish this song disappeared. And back to the Arctic Forest. You can see video of me right now. I'm just cringing the entire way through it. There's also a lot of explosions going on in this music video, and I'm a little confused. This is the first time I've watched the music video as well, so. I'm going to try to disassociate myself with the song as much as I possibly can. These people are very creepy looking. There's a giant bull with multicolors that is currently facing a sorceress that's floating through the air with mystical powers of some sort. And now the sorceress just gave the bull wings and they're flying away. I don't know what I just watched. I hated it. That, thank God. Is it over? It's over. That was okay. incredibly painful. So what was the what was the peak and the valley of that music video? What was the highest part? Uh, the highest part was when uh, the animated characters, which were the singers, fell through the ice. I was very excited for the three. Uh, the valley was when they randomly started random shapes and monsters and creatures started blowing up. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I still blame you for that. What would you What would you rate that song out of one to ten? Uh, negative a million. <laughs> wow, that's not even on the scale. <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> Yikes! All right, let's get back to the Fourth <laughs> Throne Dynasty podcast. In fact, let's start off by talking about the Gulag. I'm the lord of the bear. When I grow up, I'll be able to fight anybody who bothers me. Or you. When we get married, you can tell me if you don't like somebody, and then we can bring them back here and whoosh! Right through the moon door. 
Through the Mundor went our good friend Lefty and Drewster Kanais. Drewster Kanais and all $960 worth of his fab. One of the most bizarre and preposterous gulag strategies I've ever seen. He was not even like putting bids in for players. He was putting bids in for like kickers and defenses, and that was it. But he's out, and Tyler unfortunately did not get enough from Van Jefferson to help him survive. It was actually a very, very interesting Sunday and Monday night. Every single person, excluding Andy, was on the uh, was on the hot list this week. It was very, very crazy to track. Sam was able to survive again. I was able to survive. And Justin's brother was also able to survive, even with his team being very, very weak right now. Did you observe any of it, Justin? Yeah, I observed a lot of it. Um, I I was kind of shocked that Trevor is still sticking around because his roster is not that great. Um, he mostly forgets to check his lineups or to check uh, by Sunday and to go for waivers, which kind of screwed him again this week when he has two big, two of his really good players on by and Cooks and and uh, Montgomery. Holy cow! Is my phone freaking out right now? Um, <laughs> Like, I'm trying to, like, look at his team. It just pulled up the Jaguars' build score. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam's, Sam's roster is looking pretty great, especially after uh, people that she picked up. Uh, I was shocked that they had three or four people with that in that 77-point range going into, like, the last few minutes of that game. Made it really, really close, and a lot of people were sweating it out. Kind of crazy that if you look at Sam's roster, she currently technically has three running backs on her team, and it's not even one of the flex. She could really roster four running backs and start since Cordero Patterson has running back and wide receiver flex. Yeah, she was she was trying to see who she could get, and I told, I I suggested Cordero Patterson just because of the multi positional flexibility and how fantastic of a year he's having. And now that she's got him, I feel like, yeah, she could start four running backs if she really wanted to. She doesn't have a fourth start, but if she needs to, she could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting for me because I have Damien Harris, and he's just been absolutely a beast. Uh, but he supposedly might have a concussion, so that's not good. Uh, I was able to pick Damien. up Stefan Diggs, though. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's walk through the waivers here. So the very first and top waiver was Tyreek Hill. That was Tyler's first round pick. He went for $100 to Prince Palmer, who had the most waiver money going into the week. Austin Eckler went for $72 to Bucks in 2021, which is Billy. Sam got Cordero Patterson for $51. Ryan came right back and got Leonard Fournette for $50. Sam got Schultz, Dalton Schultz, and his chest tattoo for $31. <laughs> and then I got Stefan Diggs for $30. Oh, by the way, speaking of Schultz and his chest tattoo, I saw plenty of it this weekend as he was walking around with his shirt literally off. You're probably drunk. At the very end, 
at the very end of the night, he got a couple others to join him uh, with the shirt pretty much off, dancing and being very drunk at the wedding. It was, it was a great time. <laughs> he got my brother, Brad Collins, Joey, I think someone else too, had their shirts off, or at least <laughs> mostly off. <laughs> uh, so I got the Stefan Dix for $30. Shuby got Kyle Pitts for 25 Prince came back again and got Dearness Johnson for 21 Vince came back and got Dawson Knox for $6. And then I got Daryl Williams for $4. I'm really hoping CEH doesn't come back. I know he's might be back this week. And then Major used dropped Calvin Ridley last week, and then he picked him back up again this week, even though he's on the, the NFI list. So I don't know what that was all about. Any big standouts <laughs> to you? I, I love that he just went and put in $2 to get him again, even though, like, it's out for at least three games. By the time he comes he back, I don't again. even know if he'll be starting him, even if he's, like, back and healthy. If he would make it that far. Yeah, that was, that was strange. But um, now that Drewster Kanais is no longer in there, even though I, <laughs> he was allergic to spending his money, um, when... Sam and Ryan were the, going into the week with the most amount of money, I believe. Yep. And they used it pretty wisely, I thought. Tyreek Hill, yeah, he was like double what the next previous bid was. But when it's Tyreek Hill and he's the number two receiver in fantasy, you pay $100 and you just hope you can get him. And he did. You know, the second best bid was only 45 Um, Sam's bid, uh, she was technically beaten out by Billy, but Billy didn't have enough people on her roster, and she ended up overpaying by like $36, but once again, she got a guy with fantastic positional flexibility and is the number 7 running back. And then uh, Ryan got the number 13 running back for or, well, once again, Billy Billy put in high bids on pretty much everybody, it seems like, but he just <laughs> didn't get a lot of them. <laughs> um a lot of these are a little bit of an overpaced, so like probably next week I'd, I'd see some of the, the money going down for how much you need to spend for them. But at this point, to get the number two fantasy receiver for a tenth of your overall budget, when a few weeks ago the top one of the, some of the top running backs were going for six seven hundred dollars, that's fantastic value. Absolutely, um, it's it's crazy. Like at this point in the season. Like, you have people like, I don't know, Calvin Ridley. Well, Calvin Ridley's a bad example. Chris Carson, if he plays, going for $0. And a starting tight end, a really good starting tight end in Kyle Pitts going for 25 That's, I don't know, like a 40th of your budget. That's fantastic value at this point in the, the season. Yeah. So, if you look at the top five people with budgets remaining, it would be at the top. Trevor with $168. You said that he was pissed that he didn't do anything? Uh, yes, very much so. <laughs> and then second is Sam still with $120. Third, we got Nate Schubert with the 101. We got Ryan with 91 and then Billy with 90. So then after 90, it drops all the way down to $74 for the next with Joe. So, Trevor, if he hangs on by the skin of his teeth, he's got he has the pick of whoever he wants next week to yeah. help his team. But he's gonna have to make it this week with two of his big players and Montgomery and Cooks on by. And if he makes it this week, he's also gonna have to like he's also gonna have to um, 
be smart with his buds or his bids because he doesn't want to drop all of it. Yes, he can like overbid everybody, but you know, he puts a hundred or maybe a hundred and twenty dollars on someone, he's only gonna have forty left that he can use on other people. I guess if it's a stud, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, he'll guide him to victory. Yeah, true. But he's gotta get it through the week. Yeah. So we'll when see we if that time. happens. Moving back to our league, so if we take a look, we did not have any trades this week, I believe. Is that accurate? Ooh. I didn't document any, so there must not have been any of importance. Let's see. Yeah, the last no, one was I, between I, me and Jake. Yep, I just booed that we didn't have any trades. That's all it was. So, if we look at the waivers... The very first waiver was Olamidi Zacchaeus, who went to Ryan for $21. No one else bid on him. So he actually had a solid week. He had one touchdown for the Falcons uh, this past week. But, you know, it was interesting how no one at all bid in him. He also only was on the field for 49. Oh, he had two touchdowns. He was on the field for 49% of the snaps. Is that a guy that Ryan could start or no? In a pinch, uh, yeah, why not? Um, they have Kyle Pitts and who else right now? Yeah. With Ridley out and, and Squirtorel. You can't forget Squirtorel. Um, but with Kyle Pitts and Squirtorel, like, defenses are going to be keen on those two guys. And with Squirtorel's speed, uh, it won't even matter sometimes. So people are going to be open. Olamidi was, uh, was the recipient of that last week. After dropping the bank on Derek Gore just last week, Little Slats puts $11 on Deshaun Jackson, who just signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. So basically taking on the Henry Ruggs role, I would assume. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty good role for him. Uh, All he's going to be doing is going deep. He's not doing anything else. (laughs) And we had myself, I picked up P.J. Walker for $11. The news came out that Sam Darnold is going to miss quite a bit of time coming up here. So PJ Walker, the former XFL superstar, is now the starter with Carolina. Um, he only started one game last year, and uh, they won that game twenty to zero. And it was also one of DJ Moore's best games of the year. They were just talking about this on the footballers because two of them said PJ Walker sucks. One of them says he doesn't really think that it's much of a downgrade to Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is significantly hurt from what it sounds like. So uh, hopefully P.J. Walker can at least serve to be a serviceable backup in the case of an injury. Or when I get to my week 13 bye for Ryan Tannehill. Did you put a bid in for him? Uh, I did not. I have Taylor Heineke and I have Taysom um, for Kyler Insurance since... While he while you were sitting next to me at my rehearsal dinner on Friday, you told you told me that Kyler's not playing, so you went and picked up Colt McCoy, and then told me because I had, with wedding week I didn't even look at my team at that point. Um, who then told me that you picked up Colt McCoy, and that Taylor Heineke was on by, and that Trevor Simeon was named the starter, and Trevor Simeon was already picked up on waivers, so I had no one to start. Um, and then the morning of, once I was trying to set my lineup, panicked. Somebody already picked up. So I was starting Taysom Hill and his two points against you last week. <laughs> it didn't really matter. I was not, I was not thrilled. <laughs> and then the last 
Last two of notes would be I picked up J.J. Taylor for $4 uh, just because there's a lot of uncertainty right now with the Patriots' backfield. I think Brandon Bolden's going to be the starter this week with Damian Harris being questionable. And then Ramondre Stevenson also got hurt. Um, But that's just kind of a spot right now that is a wash, that running back spot. Lefty picked up Marcus Golden from the Arizona Cardinals, who is a pretty solid linebacker slash DL. So he has that flexibility. He dropped Marcus May, who is now on the IR. Uh, he's going to be missing the last of this, rest of the season. He tore his ACL. That's tough for him. And then he also dropped Mason Crossbar for Chris Boswell, the Steelers kicker. So Mason Crosby is now available on free agency. Is that a guy that you're going to be ki- picking up? Uh, I might look into it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I can't wait until uh, Rex Specs makes his triumphant return and is the resumes his team captaincy of my of my uh, fantastic squad. No, he's never been the team captain. But um, Rex Specs will get the, the kicking job when he gets back. We'll have to see uh, who's there with them because McManus has been holding it down all right. But uh, upgrade the kicking spot. I, he's not missing crossbar either. <laughs> all right, so two burning questions I got for you before uh, we get into the cookies. The first question I have is, so it just came out uh, about uh, 20 minutes ago that Odell is supposedly going to take his time on deciding where he's going to sign. This comes after around 11 o'clock today. News came out from Diana Rossini that he had narrowed down his three choices to the Packers, the Saints, and the Chiefs for who he was going to sign with. He now has the ability to sign wherever he wants since he went unclaimed on waivers. Where do you actually believe that he lands? I didn't even know Packers were one of his final choices. Yeah, um, he announced it. Gotcha. Okay, well... They played this game with him last year, too, where they're like, oh, they should go sign him, they should go sign him, and... I think he'd be a pretty good fit with the Saints. Um, the Chiefs already have plenty of weapons. Also, just grab Josh Gordon. So they already have their over-the-hill, very extremely productive guy who's a shell of what he once was. They don't need a second one. Um, I think with the Saints injuries and with no Michael Thomas, uh, I think that'd be a really good fit for them. Um, for the Packers, now that they're getting... Uh, they need a tight end more than anything. I don't really think that they're they need to be looking at grabbing another receiver. Do you think there's a chance it goes to the Packers or no? I mean, absolutely, there's a chance. Uh, I I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. The last question I have for you here is: How many trades are you also for my prediction? I think he ends up in the Chiefs organization. I think, not that I want that to happen. I just feel like every single player that people speculate where they're going to go, they either go to the Bucs or they go to the Chiefs. And it's like, okay, yeah. Odell Beckham is definitely better than Byron Pringle. He's definitely better than Demarcus Robinson. He would be, he. no offense, he's better than Mike Nicole Hardman. I guess I don't know about right now, you but... Should- you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, <laughs> I mean, it's like the same thing with the Packers, though. If he goes to Green Bay, he's better than Alan Lazard. He's better than MVS. He's better than Equinemius, whatever the hell his name is. The only person he's not better than is Devontae <laughs> Adams. Well, I guess with Lazard, and I don't remember Odell, block, Odell Beckham's blocking skills, with Lazard, Lazard is a, a, a top wide receiver uh, for blocking in the run game. And he is literally on the field to destroy people in the run game. Mm-hmm. MVS is there for his speed. And Odell no longer has the top end speed that he used to have. He's still a very good receiver. I'm not denying that. But with all the injuries that he's had, he's not the player that he once was. Yes, he would be the two, three, two to three wide receiver for the Packers. Yes, it would be a big upgrade. I just don't see it happening. I don't see that working out as well as the Packers might think it would. I feel like I do the whole way in which his dad got involved or whatever was kind of annoying, but like I do understand his frustration because like if if you I remember like the Browns would ever always be on like a CBS game just because they're a Midwest team. And I'd be mm-hmm. watching the game and like Baker Mayfield's throwing the ball 10, 15 feet above his head or to the left, to the right. Like he's just completely blatantly missing him. And Odell's just pissed. You could see like a lot of the the routes that he ran, he would just give up on. I'm sure it just mm-hmm. but he's also been a head case for a little bit. Not like a super head case like A B. I would say Odell's a step down from A B in terms of being a head case. What says you? I I agree he's a step down from being a head case, but he's also or compared to A B. Um, but he's also quite a head case in his own rights. Mm-hmm. Um there's a reason that well, the teams didn't want to pay the rest of the contract yeah, but it was this year for the Browns. The reason he went through the waivers after after they renegotiated, it was only seven million dollars. I feel like that's still a fair contract for him. But I guess if there is also, the, I mean, everybody's like, yeah, I'd rather take my chances. Then that's why they don't pay him. Plus, he was saying he wouldn't, he wasn't going to be, you know, there'd be a problem if he wasn't on a playoff contender. So then you run that risk. Uh, yeah, um, trying to put that into the locker room. Um, and then with all of his injuries too, like, I think he's hurt his shoulder about three or four times this year already. And he, he's one that's going to need surgery in the off season. Uh, he hurt his ankle, he hurt his knee, he hurt pretty much everything. Like, I honestly think him taking a week or two off to like get his body a little bit better before joining a team for the stretch run would not be a bad idea for sure. Odell's own interests. Sure. Um, because the last couple of weeks he's been, he hasn't made it through the games. Yeah. Well, let's see how that goes. I'm actually intrigued, but I wish it would have happened today. I was hoping that we get some information going ahead of this week's games. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen though. Last question I got for you is how many trades do you think will happen by our trade deadline next week? So from the point in which we post this or the point in which I'm asking you right now until the trade deadline of next Thursday at 6.30, how many trades are you predicting to happen? Um, I think I'll set the over under at three and a half. I'll take the over. Take the over. Uh, I think at the trade deadline last year, don't obviously don't quote me on this. I'm not sure if we have the stats on this. Uh, I think we had about seven deals the mm-hmm. few days leading up to the trade deadline, including the tra- the day of trade deadline. 
and a lot of them were for like smaller fringe players. But the, the obviously the giant one, the Tyreek Juju deal, involves some firsts that uh, secured Cirque's uh, championship bid last year. Mm-hmm. I, I I think three and a half is. If I said I would probably see what it said the over under at four and a half, and I would still probably take it over. Mm. So you're predicting how many then if you're going to take the over on three and a half and four and a half? I'd say between in this next week, I'll say six. Okay. That's just throwing a number out there, but I I, I do think that in this next week or so, usually it gets pretty crazy. Pretty. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the three is going to be the number. I don't know what 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 reason that gives. But I do feel like we have had a good amount of trades this year, but most of them took place in the offseason. We still get like one trade maybe every two weeks. But I don't know. We'll have to see who's buyers and sellers in next week. Because after this week, we only have four weeks left of the regular season. So, Yeah, it doesn't help that there's such a huge logjam right in the middle right now, with, mm-hmm. which we'll get to when we start talking recapping the past few weeks mm-hmm. um but the fact that Zerk is obviously nine and zero, um and you and lefty are two and seven but from ryan at three and six to jake at six and three numbers so the second seed all the way through the 10th seed are within three games of each other mm-hmm. that's insane um a lot of people I, in the next week or so will be trying to figure out whether they are mover and sellers. I think at this point, Ryan is going to be selling for the future at three and six. but And then Jake and Randy are pretty securely looking good. But there's so many five and four and four and five teams that someone could turn out to be sellers and then actually start winning games or vice versa. Mm-hmm. We got to update. Uh, it's your weekly. Your weekly let's update Will's team name, Rockies New York Jets wide receiver core. Did you see that? Uh, I just did now. I wouldn't have in, unless he would have said something. Very nice. Uh, I guess he does have the entire core, so go for it. All right. So with that, let's get into this week's cookies. Cookie! Um, nom, 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 nom. Let's hear it. What do you got? Well, it was an extremely disappointing week for cookies. Um, by far, the most disappointing um, receiver and flex stat lines that we possibly could have had. Um, it was the lowest score of the week of the year, just barely being lower than the last last week's score. Uh, We'll, we'll get right into it. The top scorer this week, Lamar Jackson for Ryan was 36.64 points. That's a very respectable, that's a really good QB score. Uh, RB1 this week was Jonathan Taylor on my squad with 34. Uh, RB2 was Nick Chubb, who just went on the COVID list for Randy with 30.3. Wide receiver one for Will, 27.4 with one of those New York Jets wide receiver core, Elijah Moore, the rookie. This is where everything starts getting ucky. Those top four scores, very good. Wide receiver two this week, 
is Devontae Smith for Danny with a respectable 22.6 points, but not cookie-worthy. This is where we kind of really struggled to get a good score this week. Uh, Travis Kelsey for Danny at 17.8. Pretty good tight end score. Uh, flex spot, Joe Mixon, 28 for Stirk. That's normal. Um, and then the second flex, 22.4 for Keenan Allen for Jake. Like, like I said, these scores are good, but they're not cookie-worthy on a normal week. I really hope we kind of bounce back and kind of blow some team, blow uh, some cookie scores out of the water next week. Matt Gay was our top kicker for Little Slads with 12. TJ Watt had 24 for Stirk, continuous, continuing his dominance on the defensive side. Bobby E. And 18 and a half for lefty at the linebacker spot. I don't know who that is. Um, I think we talked before the podcast and you left as I was trying to pronounce my way through it. Fired um, for little slads. Uh, defensive back. The Titans had 18 and a half. And then the IDP flex spot. The introduction to the rookie, Micah Parsons. I think his name is Lawnmower, according to Jake. With 23 and a half points. So, our cookie score was 315.64 points. That puts us at the lowest score by about two points lower than last week. Stark continues to pace the field with 22 cookies. Holy in shit. Second, yeah. And second is Team Pollock with 13. Tied for third is the Sladkey and Little Slads. Uh, fifth, Team Palmer with nine. Tied for sixth is Backflips for Tua, Rockies New York Jets wide receiver core, and Outdoor Furnishings. Tied uh, then in ninth is CISA 5 Sucks with seven. And tied for 10th and last is Spaceballs, the FFT, All Elite Fantasy, and Amelia Clark fan with Dick. So Sturk continues his dominance. Uh, if we move at, look on to player totals, uh, at the quarterback spot, there's a few with one. There's a few with one. Uh, Lamar Jackson gets his second cookie of the year, and Josh Allen continues to pace the quarterbacks with three for Sturk. At the running back spot, Derrick Henry continues to be the leader of the pack in the running back spot with three cookies. Then with two is Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, who just got a second, Jonathan Taylor, who just got a second, and Joe Mixon, who just got a second. For the wide receivers, Cooper Cup continues, breakfast buddy, sorry. Uh, Cooper Cup continues to lead the pack with four. Tyreek Hill for Stirk has three. Uh, and then we have Debo, Scary Terry, Devontae, um, Broken Flower Pot. I think that was Jake's name for Mike Williams at one point. Um, Adam Thielen and A.J. Brown all with two cookies with a crazy amount with one. Uh, for tight ends, Travis Kels is the first tight end to get more than one cookie this year with two for Nanny. Nick Folk for Sturk leads kickers with two. There's a bunch of others with one. 
Uh, defensive lineman Harold Landry for Andy has two. At linebackers, T.J. Watt, five cookies. I believe that leads the field in any position. I'm yep. just going to double-check that real quick. Yep, most cookies of any person in this field for Stark with five of them. Roquan Smith and Darius Leonard each have two. And then in a tie for second with Cooper Cup, Kevin fired for Little Slads with four cookies, including one this week. Trayvon Diggs, uh, picked up by Spaceballs, has two cookies. So our top three cookie scorers this year are Cooper Cup, Kevin Byard, TJ Swat, um, and then a couple, a host of a couple people with three, and like Josh Allen, Derrick Henry. A lot of the guys that you'd expect, although Byard and Watt are kind of shockers. Watt is great. But both of them being that high on the cookie total is a little bit of a shocker. For sure. So let's take a look at our The Last Dance cookies for basketball. This week, it was week three. Week three we had our second highest cookie total. Uh, we lost to the seasonal high by about 12 points. We take a look at the starting lineup again for The Last Dance. It is only going to be eight players this year. At the point guard position, we had James Harden, who is owned by Lefty, sorry, managed by Lefty, with 51 points for the point guard. At shooting guard, this one blew my mind. Cole Anthony, rostered by Justin, with 53.25. So I was like, are you kidding me? I pull up his stats. Holy crap, is he having a great year. And some of the best post-game interviews you'll ever hear as well. <laughs> so how do you feel about him? Yeah, I, I've been very, very impressed with him. Um, I think I drafted him very highly two years ago. Yeah, I was going to take a look. During that COVID. Um, I believe he was my first overall. Second, first second round pick. You got him at the 204. And I was very overall. excited to get him at the 204. Yeah. And Right now, he's the ninth-ranked player at the point guard, shooting guard spot. Uh, last year, he was 34. I, he's only 21. This is going to be his, his second year in the NBA. Very excited for him to be a big part of my team going forward. Um, he's fun to watch. The third cookie at the small forward position goes to Paul George, playoff P. Another one for Justin with 54.5. At the power forward, was Giannis Atetokounmpo with 62.75. That is the highest score of anybody from this week. At the center position was the second highest, Anthony Davis, the brow, with Andy, 60.75. The three utilities were Miles Turner, who is my player, with 58.25. Jarrett Allen, who's rostered by Eric, with 55.5. And, and then Carl Anthony Towns, who's also rostered by Eric with 55 and a half. If you look at the team totals, leading it is yours truly, Justin, retirement benefits fraud with five, tied with Bill Walton smells colors. So two-way tie with five. Tied for third, we got three people, Sprite plus lemonade, no ice, legalized Kemp and indoor furnishings, each having three. 
tied for six, we have BP for the gold and C's get trophies with two. And then taking up the rear is Young Guns with one. What are your thoughts overall on your team? I just took a look at your record. And you are currently, what, one and two? One and two, yeah. Two losses, uh, losses in a row. Mm -hmm. My team uh, disappointed last week. Um, I also did pick some of the best games either, which is partially, it's a crapshoot trying to make sure you pick the right games that they're going to succeed in. Um, I had plenty of great games. I had plenty of good enough, uh, but... They're just not. They're just not there yet. Uh, LeBron's injury hurts because I was counting on him to be a, a top scorer for me. Um, and then I also have some other guys that are just getting a, in and out of the injury injured list. Um, Michael Porter Jr.'s back injury is going to hurt me going forward. Uh, the mysterious back injury that no one really knows much about. Yeah, um, I think I'll be struggling for a few weeks as my team tries to get a little bit healthy before. Uh, Hopefully, he can start surging at the end of the year. Yeah. So you look at the your squad. squad. So my squad is currently two and one. I lost a hard fought or a hard fought battle with uh, Andy last week, and Andy actually beat me. Oh boy, I'm getting my phone blown up. I'm a uh, side note. I'm going to Phoenix this weekend. I'm staying with Abby's brother, and we're going to a Cardinals game, and he's freaking out right now because. He's freaking out because uh, Kyler is supposedly rumored to be doubtful again, which is news to you, I'm sure. Again, as they're God playing the Carolina Plan, they're playing the Carolina Panthers. God damn it! So I might see a up close and personal Colt McCoy versus PJ Walker matchup. Super excited for that. But my team right now has scored the third highest points, only behind Eric and Andy. Andy's destroying everybody. Um, Tyler, though, at the top, he's 3-0, so he's the only one with uh, an undefeated record. And he's playing me this week, and he's projected to score over 500 points, which is just insane uh, when you look at his team. So we'll have to see... What happens with that? Uh, I hope my team is as good as advertised as I'm the defending champ. So if you look at the through week three players and their cookies, there is five people with two. Nikola Jokic, Paul George, Miles Turner, Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns. All people that got them this week. So, uh, well, actually not Jokic. You didn't get one this week. But um, he did get into a fight, and that comes for a cookie. So we'll continue to give you updates on the last dance. So let's get started by I am going to recap week nine, and then Justin is going to preview week ten. Starting in week nine, we had a matchup between All Elite Fantasy and CISA 5 Sucks. The match ended 132.3 to 104. So Justin beat me by 28.3 points. He moved himself to 5 and 4, and I moved to 2 and 7. 
on my side had Michael Pittman Jr. with 17.4. Uh, Greg Zerline played, but he didn't really play because he had zero since the Cowboys scored 16 in garbage time and went for two both times. Literally no one impressed except for Michael Pittman Jr. On Justin's side, he had a phenomenal 1.7 from uh, Taysom Hill. That might have to be the new nickname for him. And then 34 from Jonathan Taylor. That was a great start for him on Thursday. 16.42 from Christian Kirk because he threw a pass. Then he had double 11s in his flex. Not a very impressive matchup between me and Justin outside of Jonathan Taylor. If we look at the second matchup, we got the last backflip versus 200M All. 200M All won this matchup 160.5. 144.8. So a 15.7 point victory for Randy, who moves to six and three, and then the last backflip moves to two and seven. On the last backflip side, he had 20.2 from Ben Roethlisberger, 17 from Jalen Waddell, 19.6 from Cordero Patterson, and a solid negative one from Mason Crosby. His IDPs were great this week. This included. Uh, 15 from David Long. And then Buda Baker with 13 and a half and 18.5 for Bobby Okariki, who I know Justin is a big fan of. On Randy's side, we had 25.58 from Kirk Cousins, 30.3 to Nick Chubb, 15.2 to Delvin Cook, and nothing really else important. Third matchup, we had D. Sladke versus Prince Palmer, and D. Sladke wins this one, 164.6 to 136.5. So that would be, if my math's correct, a 28-point victory. This we would call the battle of the no-names because they both don't have a picture and they both don't have a team name. D. Sladke moved to 4-5, and five, and Prince Palmer moves to 3-6. and six. On the Slatke side, he had 14.6 from Christian McCaffrey. He's back. 15.2 from Devontae Booker and 14.5 from Diggs. He had 17.8 from Travis Kelsey, 22.6 from Devontae Smith, and 17.9 from Hunter Renfro. Man, I really know what you mean now that this was not an impressive week because there is a ton of garbage. Mm-hmm. Roquan Smith had 15 on Ryan's side, he had 36.6 from Lamar Jackson, 20.4 from Alvin Kamara. He got a solid point three points from Chase Edmonds, who's now going to be out for a while, it sounds like. Oh, my God, this is disgusting. 13.5 from Eric Kendricks. Next matchup we had between Outdoor Furnishings and Spaceballs, the FFT. Outdoor Furnishings, this was a barn burner. It came all the way down to Monday night. Deontay Johnson. And Minka Fitzpatrick get the victory for Cascade Bear. It was basically a two-on-one handicap. Those two versus Najee Harris. And Cascade Bear comes out on top. 145.2 to 140.8. So that is about a 4.4 point victory. Cascade Bear moves to 6-3. Six, six Spaceballs moves to 4-5. and five. On Cascade's side, you had 22.4 from Keenan Allen. And nothing else except for Micah Parsons, 23.5. Spaceballs, 
Oh man. 20.6 from Marquise Hollywood Brown. 16.8 from Najee Harris. 18.7 from Brandon Ayuk, who is coming back out of nowhere. Another not impressive matchup. The fifth matchup of the week came between Andy and Little Slads. Little Slads wins this matchup 151.9 to 131.8. So a 20 point victory, moving Little Slads to four and five, and Andy to five and four. On Andy's side, she had 17.5 from Melvin Gordon, 20.5 from Cooper Cup, 17 from Justin Jefferson, and her IDPs were ass. On Mike's on Little Slads side, he had, uh, oh man. He had like three guys with 13 points and nothing else. Uh, Jerome Baker with 15 and then Kevin Byer with 18 and a half. In the last matchup of the week, we had Sterk Daddy against Rockies New York Jets wide receiver core. Sterk Daddy wins this matchup 173.1 to 151.3, about a 22-point victory. Look at Sterk Daddy's team. He has 28 points from Joe Mixon. 17.4 from Robert Woods and 16.2 from Darren Waller, 15.7 from Miles Gaskin and 24 from TJ Watt, along with 17.5 for Brian Burns. Will had 35.6 from Justin Herbert. He had 27.4 from Elijah Moore and 10 from Isaiah Simmons. But just an overwhelmingly bad week of fantasy football scoring. All across the board. We might have been spoiled a little bit at the beginning. If we look at the standings entering week 10, Sturt Daddy is at the top at 9-0. He is one victory away from clinching the playoffs. Cascade Bear is in second at 6-3. Randy is in third at 6-3. Andy's in fourth at 5-4. Justin is in fifth at 5-4. And And then Will's in sixth at 4-5. Yeesh. 60 with a losing record. Seventh, we have Little Slads at four and five. Eight, we have D Slacky at four and five. Nine, Spaceballs at four and five. And then 10, Prince Palmer, three and six. 11, Lefty at two and seven. And then myself at 12, two and seven. All right, Justin, let's hear it. What do you got for us for week 10? I'm just looking at the points for category, and Ryan is the fourth highest scoring team, yet he is the 10 seed. That's that's a tough luck for him again, because I know I snuck into the playoffs last year by like 10 points against them. All right, going into week 10. Uh, right now, the matchup that looks like it could be the highest scoring, well, if Kyler still plays, um, I am currently projected to beat Sterk by two points and potentially break up his undefeated season. That's if Carler plays. So we'll, and Amari Cooper. So we'll see about that. Um, uh, so uh, Cooper's apparently good to go. I'm looking at this as we talk. All right. So uh, on my side, I'd be starting up the head of the click. Then I'd have cookie winner, Taylor, uh, Donnelly Anderson, which I have to change his name. Cooper and Captain Kirk at wideout, and then I have Gasick at tight end, Hardman and the best receiver in receiver spot. For Sterk, he has the Bill Wrangler at wide 
at QB, the top cookie man. Um, the X factor who just came off a cookie, I can see for miles and miles at his other running back spot. At wide receiver, the second best at cookies, uh, Tyreek can just with the cabin in the woods. At tight end, he has Waller, I barely know her. And at wide receiver, he has Mike Williams and Devontae Freeman and the flex spots. As of now, we'll see if those projections hold, though, with Kyler's status up in the air. Uh, if I won, I'd be 6-4, and four, and Stirk would get his first loss of the year. I'm not feeling great about this matchup. Um, I do also, side note, love the, the fire um, emoji that they have for teams on big winning streaks. Randy's is a little faded because he only has a three-game winning streak, and Stirk's is red hot with a nine-game win streak. The second matchup uh, of this week would be 200 million all versus all elite fantasy, which 200 million all by Randy is projected to beat you by 53 points, which would be a clapping. Um, <laughs> for your side, you're looking at starting uh, Mr. Tannehill, the butcher um, at running backs. Oh my God. Uh, you're going to be starting to Michael hasty. He of the 2.88 projection, along with what is dead may never die, waiver wire hero, Adrian Peterson. Um, then at the wide receiver spots, you'll have Adam Cole and Ray Phoenix, pretty good options. At tight end, MJF. At your flexes, um, okay, Excalibur and Frankie Kazarian. Boy, oh boy. Uh, do you guys got, do you have some guys on buys or something? Or what's going on with your squad right now? So on buy <laughs> right now, I have David Johnson. Not the best, but not the worst. Uh, Chase Claypool's out. Darnell Mooney's out. Darius Slayton on buy. And that's that. All right. Oh, well, that explains some of that. All right. So we got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on IR. We got... Raheem Mostert IR, Michael Thomas IR, J.K. Dobbins IR. That's my team. Yeah. All right. Well, you're definitely playing for 2022. Um. All right. For Randy's side, he has um, who lives in a glass box to defeat COVID at quarterback. Um, Ty Johnson and Delvin Cook. Or Alexander Madison, one of the two, uh, at the second running back spot. Uh, then he has a questionable A.J. Brown, who looks like he should be able to be playing, um, along with Julio Jones. So the Tennessee Titans wide receiver core are both of his starting receivers. Then he has Dalton Schultz in the chest tattoo and tight end. Um, wide receiver spot, or the flex spots, um, Corona Brown just shed his walking boot, so hopefully he'll be able to play this week for uh, Randy's sake, along with Mike Evans. So he's going with double Titans and double Bucks um, for his wide receiver and flex spots. If this matchup held, Randy would move to seven and three, and you would move to two and eight. Move on to the third matchup of the week. We have the last backflip versus Team Prince Palmer. Seven, team. Is he going to get a team name? The world would like to know. All right. Ryan is currently projected to beat Lefty. 
by almost 10 points, 157.5 to 148.3. For lefty, he'd be starting the questionable Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger always plays when he's questionable. At running back, he has lazy back and back 900, otherwise known as Scorderell Patterson. At wide receivers, the two young guns, fly away and fly away twist. Tight end, he's got kaboom. And the flex spots, he has flash forward and back half, who may be the top Patriots running back this week. We will find out. For Prince Palmer, he has Lamar Jackson at quarterback, cookie winner. The questionable Alvin Kamara, who's dealing with a mild knee sprain. Um, and Kenyon Drake, the backup running back in Oakland. Or, sorry, Las Vegas. Uh, wide receivers, he has DJ Moore, looks great. And then Kendrick Bourne, we'll see. Uh, with Jamar Chase out, he's probably got to start him. Uh, at tight end, he has Kyle Pitts, who looks phenomenal. Then at wide receivers, or the flex spots, sorry, he has undrafted and unvaccinated Cole Beasley and Marquez Calloway. If this matchup held, Ryan would be four and six, and lefty would be two and eight. We move on to the next matchup is Team D, Sladkey, versus Outdoor Furnishings. Reminder, get your names. All right, so for D Sladkey, this is looks like to be a very high-scoring matchup where Outdoor Furnishings is projected to win by about five points, 188.5 to 183.8 um, over D Sladkey. D Sladkey would be starting Patrick Mahomes, the White Whale, and James Conner. Uh, uh, he was RB1 last week and was sitting on D Sladkey's bench. Um, for wide receivers, he's going to be starting Stefan Diggs and Jarvis Landry. At tight end, Travis Kels. Um, And the flex spots, the questionable Hunter Renfro and Devontae Smith. For outdoor furnishings, he has Bricks at QB, Fire Pit and Giant Sombrero and Shades at the running back spots, Koi Fish Pond and Air Conditioning Unit in the wide receiver spots, Squirrel Feeder at tight end, and gazebo and i like this guy in the flex spots if this held jake would move to seven and three d slackey would move to four and six now out of the fifth matchup of the week we have team andy palak versus the rockies new york jets wide receiver core for andy he is starting one half of the breakfast buddies and matt stafford um, then she has Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette. The second half of the breakfast buddy, the number one fantasy receiver, two girls, one cup, and what she calls rookie of the year at the wide receiver spots. I've ever seen that. Video. Ryan Griffin, two girls, one cup. I've heard about it. That's about all I need to say about that. <laughs> I think I think so, you should have to do a live review of it next week. Um, I'm good. <laughs> um. <laughs> At tight end, she needs a streamer this week. She grabs ooh, she's with Tunyon out and Ingram and Kamana by. She's going to be starting Ryan Griffin of the Jets at the tight end spot. Um, in the flex spot, she has the questionable DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Swift. She's projected to lose to Will by two points, 178 to 176. 
Dustin Herbert, extra cheesy sausage something is going to be his QB. Extra, extra cheesy pepperoni and sizzling sausage trio are the running backs. Bacon cheesy sticks coming off the cookie and onion rings ranch in something um, are the wide receivers. Italian sausage mother load is tight end. Seven topping rock father is questionable for the flex spot and meat work. Part of my take, recent guest, um, is the other flex spot. If this held, both teams would be five and five. More teams running to the middle. In the final matchup of the week, we have Team Little Slads versus Spaceballs, the FFT. Spaceballs, the FFT, is projected to lose to Team Little Slads by four, uh, 159 to 155. Baseballs is currently projected to start Blake Bortles. Stop. What? Major asshole is on by. Masseuse enthusiast is on by. Geno Smith is going to be benched for Russell Wilson. He doesn't have a quarterback to play. Good lord. And then Zach Wilson's on his taxi and he's hurt. Oh shit, you need to pick up Colt McCoy. Uh, I will be shortly. Don't worry. <laughs> Is that way? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I might need to if, if Taylor Heineke is going to be garbage again. All right. So currently, Blake Bortles is a starting QB, um, also known as worst case scenario on his roster. Um, oh my God. Lone Star and King Rolland are his running backs one and two. Eagle Five and SB the TP are his wide receivers. Yogurt is back at a tight end. Colonel Sanders and SB the flamethrower are the flex spots. For Team Little Slats, he has Tom Brady at QB, Josh Jacobs, and Damian Harris, the questionable, stop taking my keys, something, um, at running back. Wide receivers, he has Cortland Sutton and Scary Terry. Wait, 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 give me, se- give me a second, give me a second. Do you want to know what Damian Harris's nickname says? What is it? Says, stop taking my touchdowns, Cam. Cam Newton is not on the Patriots. All right, you team little slads get to get on that. Um, Jared Cook at tight end, Singletary and Russell Gage in the receiver spots. If this matchup held, team little slads would be five and five. Baseball to FFT without a QB would be four and six. A lot more teams in the middle. And Spaceballs, the FFT, is kind of in the same spot I was last week once you started grabbing up all the backup QBs. So we'll see if he's able to get one uh, to help out his team this week. That's a big yikes. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed it, but I did update uh, Taysom Hill's name. <laughs> Mr. 1.7T. Mr. 1.72 should be starting. Yes. Well, do you have any last final thoughts? <clears throat> this is going to be your last mm-hmm. thoughts before we do an episode on trades. Uh, yeah, we went a little long, but um, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. And I'm looking forward to a very active trade deadline. And hopefully we'll be able to have a lot more content to talk about next week regarding trades. So we'll see you next week. Thanks I for certainly listening. hope so. I know Justin's going to be making 9,000 trades. We'll see. Including getting Blake Bortles. I'm, I'm all right with that one.
Okay, guys. We'll see you next week.